Hello, friends and neighbors. Welcome to the Monster Eat the Pilot podcast, the podcast that's hosted by me, Brandon. It is Monday in the music room. Sexy times. That's right. It's Monday in the music room where Brandon talks about life and whatever else is going on in his deranged mind. He's uh, about to blow up. He's going to be screaming here in a few minutes uh, after he's dealing with this headphone issue. I mean, I, I paid way too much money for these headphones already to be kind of crapping out on me. I mean, like I've had them for like, I don't know, I guess over two years, two and a half years. I'm getting so much crackling in the left ear. Like, you, you'll never, you won't hear it, but I am. Every single time I talk, it's like crackling in my left ear because I keep trying to want to cut in and out. And it's like a short and I'm, I'm, I'm flipping. I'm going to flip. I'm going to flip out, man. I'm going to flip out and we'll start throwing stuff. It's crazy. It's Monster Eight the Pilot, which is par for the course. How are we doing, everybody? I hope everybody's having a good time out there. It's a great time to be alive in a post-2023 MLS Cup champion Columbus Crew world that we are all living in. And we're all happy about. That's right. What's up? Yeah, we'll talk about that on Thursday with Sports Talk. But yeah, that's right. The Columbus Crew are champions. And I'm going to details about it. Uh, We've got three songs tonight. We've got... Uh, some ketamine stuff, we've got some AI stuff, and we've got some Lost stuff. The Lost Odyssey continues with two episodes. One episode is just as good as I remembered, and I loved it so fucking much. Sorry, there's the first F word. There's the official one. I'll try my best. Um, and then another episode that was alright. It was fine. It was fun. It was kind of fun in a different way, which we'll get there. We'll get there. But, but you know, as always at the beginning of the episode, make sure you like, share, subscribe, support. Anywhere podcasts are available, you can find Monster Eight the Pilot. Uh, you can watch the video on Spotify if you're so inclined to. Um, I do have to send apologies out for the last episode, the Sports Talk episode. I think I screwed up the mic, and the, I was running the mic off my computer because it sounds like it's underwater, and I did not notice that. I thought I had listened back to a little bit of it, and I had not. But now... I don't have to listen back to it because we'll jump right into it, man. AI. If you have not, uh, go read the, uh, you can read my last two episodes, like the descriptions. Um, those are AI written. And I know I've been somebody who's been very anti, anti AI since like all the stuff's really been breaking in the past, like about a year or so about all the AI stuff, the AI art, which is stupid. still, I, I can hate that all day. Um, like writing, st- like AI writing and all this other crazy stuff. Um, I know I've been a big, like, I freaking hate it. I don't like this at all. It's stupid. Why are we doing it? Especially like the art stuff doesn't make any sense to me. It never will. Cause one, it's not art. It's just not, I don't care how fucking, sorry, how perfect all the, how it looks and all that stuff like that. It's not, it's not, it doesn't have the soul in it. It doesn't have the anguish in it. I mean, yeah, you can replicate it, but you can't like authenticate like anguish or torture or pain or whatever. Like some of the things that drives like some of the greatest art ever, like you can't, mimic it it's not authentic so it's lame that's what it is man it's um it's you know it's weezer post like 2007 (laughs) i would not actually be surprised if ai has been around for that long actually and has been writing weezer records because um especially their horrible cover record where they did africa and no scrubs and i can't figure out how far like they're too far in on the joke that's the problem they're too far in on their own joke and that's the issue with Weezer, is that they're too far in on how bad some of the stuff is. And it's like, eh. You know, at least Nickelback, like, thinks they're making great music. When they're not. At least they think that. They're legit trying. When they do, well, I like the pants around your feet. He thinks that's a great lyric. And he's like, man, I'm so cool. I'm Chad freaking Kroger. And it's like, it's really bad. It's a horrible lyric. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's so childish. It's so 12 years old. 
but he makes a lot more money than me. What can I say? What can I say, man? What can I say? I can't really say much. I can complain about all I want. I complain a lot about this podcast. I know last week it went wild. But yeah, with the AI stuff, um, Riverside start offering AI like summaries of your episode and like doing chapters for you. And I had to take advantage of it because it's one, it saves me so much time. Like just so much time. Like it saves me over an hour of work. Like of just like going in and timestamping and then describing the episode and doing all that stuff. It just does it within like 30 seconds. And it's like, one, that's incredible. Two, it's terrifying. <laughs> it's terrifying that I can do it that quick. And like how accurate it kind of was. I mean, last week, the only screw up was it said my third song of the week was uh, Tears Don't Matter Much by Cor- uh, by Corey Brandon. When that's a song by Lucero. And it wasn't when the song of the week last week. I did mention it, but it wasn't the song of the week. Uh, it even went into it. I think it said uh, Brandon talks about his strong dislike for for-profit preachers. I'm like, that's a way to describe that pretty perfectly. That's a strong dislike. That's a hatred of prosperity preachers. I kept saying for-profit. It's prosperity preachers as the actual term for them. And yeah, I hate those guys. I hate them a lot. I hate all of them. I hope their existence is wiped off the face of the earth. I don't care to say that. I'm not wishing violence against them, but I hope the rapture happens. And But it's a reverse rapture where everybody disappears, goes to hell, if hell exists. And that's where they go, because that's where they deserve to go, because they're trash. They're absolute trash people, and horrible things deserve to happen to them. I don't care. That's where we're at in the show. I think I say very negative things a lot of the time, without meaning to. I kind of was thinking about that. I can't remember what I was thinking about earlier. I'm like, man, if somebody really like that, they're an absolute idiot. And it's like, dude, people like, you know, I can't remember what it was now. I'm like, oh, somebody likes this, they're an absolute idiot. And it's like, man, if I say that stuff on the podcast, like, there's probably people who listen who do like that stuff, and I'm calling them an idiot. Like, not like in this like goofy way I can do it sometimes. Like, I'm being like dead serious. Like, you're so lame and ignorant. And like, that's probably very off putting. But that's been Brandon's life for the most part. It's been pretty off putting. So, you know. No, but the AI stuff, I, I actually enjoy it in that type of sense because, one, I don't have a producer who can, like, describe stuff, so it's just me. Uh, it just makes it so much easier for me to get stuff done, especially, like, last week where I started recording really late. Like, um, like the episode was over at, like, 1 o'clock. I had to be up at 9, and it's like, I still have to export it. I still have to write the description. I still have to put timestamps in. Like, I'm going to be up till past 2 to do this, and I had the AI. I'm like, let me see how this works, and I clicked it, and... It came up I'm like, shoot, that's so damn accurate. That's so perfect. So the next morning, all I had to do was basically copy and paste, and it was ready to go. Man, these these headphones. Oh, I'm about I'm going to have to switch the wireless ones next week. I can't do this. I cannot do the crackling in my left ear. It's driving me up the freaking wall. I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. I could turn it to where it's just out of the right ear, but that sounds even dumber. Oh man, I have to. I hold on. For the love of God, please work. Did that work? Now the left ear is not working at all. So uh, God did not love me on that one. So don't know what to do there. Now I'm really ticked off. This is awful. This is awful, man. I love these headphones. This is the one thing. Okay, there we go. It popped back in and it's not crackling. At least for now. So uh, let's try to get back on like track. That's the one thing people like about this podcast is these headphones. That's literally, that's it. Nobody's ever said, good take, Brandon. They've always said, nice headphones, Brandon. And, you know, can't blame them. I love these headphones. They sound great. They fit great. They feel great. They're loud when I take them off. Like, you know, if I have to, like, go across the room or something like that and put them down, I can hear things easily, but they're not too loud when I put them on. It's really good. But I feel like when I put them on, you can't hear anything. So they're like, it's nice. 
It's just it's just a good balance. I like him a lot. I dig him, dog. Dig him, dog. Dig them. No, but like I said, AI's gonna save me some time. And it's gonna probably come up with some cool stuff. I like that's my thing is like um when I go back and do like the timestamps, like I will miss quite a few things I'll talk about because one, usually I'm doing this late. I'm like, man, I got to get to bed soon or something like that. Or I'm doing it in the morning. And I'm like, I don't have nearly as much time. And it's like, so I'll sometimes like, okay, th- I'm talking about this right now. So I just go move until I can really see the next like jump. But this kind of broke the chapters down. It got a little weird towards the end. Like I think it started doing uh, the episodes of Lost like a little weird. It said like I started talking about the second episode like way before I did. And then it like at the end, it cut down like in the four different chapters in like a 40 second span i'm like okay so i cut out like one or two of them so i do have the power to edit it so that's kind of nice i was worried because i know with the uh it's done like clips for me i haven't liked those at all the like kind of go in and find some entertaining stuff and it's never worked properly i'm like it kind of cuts me off right in the middle of a point or it jumps in with you having no context to what i'm talking about and it's, it's very sloppy um it's done magic episodes i've thought about doing that because it cuts out any like um weird silences but the way it jumps like it's like little jump cuts i don't like it and i think sometimes my awkward silences are beautiful and like it really allows you to understand the weird mind of brandon which the weird mind of brandon went on another ketamine trip um the other night i had to keep pushing that freaking thing back i had a really good uh, integration session though with hawaiian bloom um kind of pushing forward with ideas like you know continuing to try to do meal prep and stuff like that and like not eating out as much though i failed the past two nights but after the whatchamacallit the mls cup final it's like man it's late i just want to party so you know it's got some good you know it's got grub you know then tonight i'm like you know i gotta watch lost i don't really feel like cooking gotta watch lost do the podcast so let's just go ahead and get something you know jump right back into it tomorrow so oh my god you know i'm doing all right there i can think i can improve um we only wanted to do like two things, not to overwhelm my mind and like trying to do too much at once because they kind of, you know, me and her both understand that my mind doesn't work that way. Like I can easily overwhelm myself and then I fail at everything. So it was like we picked three things out. She's like, you know what? I, it's like, yeah, it's like, are you sure you want to do three? Like, you know, try to focus on three things or do you, we sh- do you think you should cut it to two? She's kind of like saying it as a way it's like, you should really like not focus on one of these things right now. <laughs> so we was doing meal prep and, um, the other thing was not being so irritated all the time. Kind of like, you know, every single time I get irritated or whatever, just kind of taking a deep breath or counting the five or just kind of letting a few things go. I notice it still quite a bit. Like, you know, getting mad at the headphones is kind of ridiculous. Um, it's not just, it's not so much that. It's like, you know, I go to pick up something. I do take that back. It's on the headphones because it has, since they're wired, you know, wires decide to wrap themselves up. I unplug this wire to untangle it. Plugged it back in, and it was still tangled up somehow. I'm like, no, it wasn't. How, how is this happening? And I get so irritated, I start, like, flick, flinging things everywhere. And I get really mad. And mm. But I'm getting on top of it. You know what I mean? I'm trying to do better. That's ultimately what this podcast is. is Brandon trying to do better at his life and trying to do better for others to understand that if Brandon can do it and his crazy ass can figure out how to do this stuff, maybe you can too. I'm trying to be inspirational here. Not lived a very inspirational life, but you know what? It's never too late to try. It's never too late to apologize, as one republic once said. But that's not a reference that makes any sense at this moment, so who cares? Um, yeah, this is really, that's kind of what it is. If I can fix some of my stuff, you definitely have an unbelievable chance to fix some of your stuff. 
and you should try. But the other part was, you know, trying to be a little bit more physical, a little bit more active. I downloaded a yoga app, and now I'm doing yoga again because I have always really loved doing yoga. Like, it feels good. It also eases my mind. Also, one thing, I guess it eases my mind. But the problem is, I forgot how out of shape I truly am. Like, it's like, oh, do this. I'm like, that's, that's impossible. You cannot bend your, you can't bend that way. And it's not even like that crazy, it's like crazy. It's not like putting your leg behind your head or, you know, lifting yourself up off the ground and like you're touching your nose to the ground while you got your legs up in the air. It's like, no, it's nothing like that. It's just like, cross your legs. I'm like, people don't cross their legs. That's not a thing that people know how to do. That's not a thing. (laughs) I did it like uh, twice yesterday or something like that. And then I did it the, uh, I did it, I'm going to do it after I get done with the podcast tonight. We continue to try to do that. Get back to the flow of that, man. I remember I was like 21-ish. I worked at the brewery. I was I did like yoga for like two straight months. Every single day for like two months. I remember how physically good I felt. And then one night, Mandy behind the bar was like, let's go get drinks. And I got out of the routine and I just fell out of the routine. A couple years ago, kind of got back into it a little bit. But man, it's like, it's, I guess the point I do like two or three times and it falls off. So right now I'm focused on getting into it. I've been much better about scheduling my day out. In terms, like on my little planner thing, like I'm trying to get myself to wake up at seven o'clock in the morning every single morning. Um, that's tough, you know. Even though most days I got to be up at eight, and by that I get up at nine. <laughs> so I'm trying to get myself up, out of bed, and doing something at seven. I don't even have to do like something crazy. I can just be getting up and going in here and watching TV for a couple hours or something like that. Just getting myself up and kind of get my brain going, get myself physically kind of going in the morning, so I don't go straight into work and be like, I'm still kind of out of it. You know, just trying to get myself up and going and at it and being better every single day at certain things. Um, that's what we're trying to do. Um, right? Yeah. But my ketamine treatment this past time was odd. It was very odd. Um, it wasn't very effective. Um, I think I took it way too late. I did it like 9.30 at night. And I think that was a problem. I think uh, physically I was a little too tired to do it. Um Early on, it was all right. I mean, I was kind of, I don't know, man. I see some weird shit. Um, It's like I was seeing like tribes in like in Africa or all over the world or something like that, like prehistoric tribes. And I'm like hanging out with them or just seeing that. I think it's all about, you know, like I've let my life get very overly complicated or let my mind get really overly complicated. My mind's just kind of running all the time or just overthinking, overdoing everything. So I think it's my mind trying to tell me to basically kind of take a step back and simplify things, go back to a little bit more of a simpler time, simpler mindset, simpler things. So basically just take away a lot of the complications and do the simple parts of each task and take the steps from there. I'm kind of realizing this in real time right now. Holy crap, that's what all this is about. That's why I'm seeing these weird ancient stuff all the time in my ketamine trips. It's because basically it's my mind telling me you need to Strip away the complications and get to the roots. Get to your roots. Get to the, you know, origins of man here. Like, understand that and then build off that and go into the complications. Like, you know, starting at, like, basically diving in the deep end when you can't swim. Yeah, that's like, oh, that's a great way to learn how to swim, the stove at the deep end. That's not a real thing. Learn how to do it. Then go into the deep end. I'm starting to get that crackle in my ear again. I'm trying to let it go. Trying to let it go. But yeah, that's what that's what it is. That's what it was. It's just Brandon. I just need to take a step back and simplify my life. Go back to simpler times. Just be a little bit simpler. Or maybe it was just tell me, yeah, my mind telling me, "Hey, dude, just quit your job, quit everything, and just go live off the land somewhere. 
You know, maybe that's what it's telling me to do. I don't think that's what it's telling me to do. I don't think that's what it is, but maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe another session will tell me that, but the rest of the session, that was like the first, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes or 25 years of it. Time is so weird in there, man. It's wild. Time is so weird in a ketamine trip. Like it's just, it melts away. Like there's multiple times. It was like both. I was like, I feel like I've been here for like 10 like minutes. And then there's other points. I'm like, I feel like I've been sleeping for days. And it's like, it's been 50 minutes. Like I'm like, I've been out for days, like days. I don't know where life is. Like the one before I was like, I thought about Jake and I'm like, man, Jake, cause I feel myself kind of moving a little bit. I'm like, yeah, I better look weird to Jake. Like, man, I haven't seen Jake in so long. And by that, it was like, it's been like four minutes since I seen Jake. I put my mask on and but in my ketamine trip, it's like, I haven't seen Jake in years. I have not seen him in years, man. It's been so long. What is time anymore? And it's just it's trippy. It's awesome. No, but the back half of this trip, um, it was, it was not very effective. I, I had nothing to really write about at the end. Cause you're supposed to journal afterwards. And I get out of the like trip and I'm just kind of like, okay, let's write about this. And I'm like, well, what was that? And it was, it was almost like while I'm in it, it was more like a regular dream. Whereas like, you know, like some dreams you wake up and you immediately try to remember your dream and you can't quite get it. Like, it's just like, it's just out of your mind. It's just like, you kind of have a vague idea of something about it, but you don't know the subject and you don't know exactly what it was. I had like three or four of these like little trips throughout the entire like uh, session. Oh, I'm like, like the music would change or something like that. And it would kind of pull me out of what I was experiencing. I'm like, okay, what was that about? I'm like, I can't remember. I can't quite remember. And yeah, so I, th I don't know if I was actually dozing off or not. Like I may have been actually falling asleep. There's times when I feel like I've got my eyes like closed and like, oh, I'm going to fall asleep. And then I kind of like move a little bit uh, like of my awareness. And I realize my eyes are like wide open. I'm like, uh, <laughs> it's weird. No. So I felt like it was a little ineffective, but now that I'm thinking about the whole first part of it, at least there's something I'm taking from it. That's cool. That's like the whole key is I always take something from it. You know, that's what every experience of life should be. You got to take something from it. Negative, positive, neutral, whatever. Take something out of every experience you take in life, man. Like, you know, when I go to the Columbus Crew Games and they win the title, I take away immense satisfaction for the fact that ever since I've been a uh, season ticket holder, they've always won the title. Just saying. I'm not saying I should have free season tickets next year, but it's an argument that can be made in the court of law. <laughs> but no, the ketamine stuff, man, I've enjoyed, I've got one more to go, should be this week, and then we get the decision on continuing or not, or just how to go from there, and I want to continue, I just have to price it all out, make sure it's something I can definitely do, I don't know, it's pricey, but I think I can do it, I think I can pull it off, I think it's worth it to pull it off, you know, instead of buying $4,000 laptops, not laptops, $4,000 desktops, that uh, are awesome, by the way. Um, maybe I should, you know, focus on mental health stuff and getting that stuff done. Going on vacation. Going out to the desert and doing peyote. Getting lost. Dying. You know, that's the dream. That's the dream. Just doing peyote in the desert and dying of exposure. That's what we all want at the end of the day. Probably not. But I've enjoyed it. I would recommend it. I would actually recommend it. I think it's definitely something that could change perspectives on a lot of different things. There's so many little things that I have a little better perspective on. Um, like I said, I've been much more on the front foot about doing things. 
Um, though sometimes when you look around this place, you don't see it, but I do. That's <laughs> what matters. It's small steps, small steps, man, small steps. It makes me like kind of, I've always said that you're like, oh, it's focus on the little steps, Brandon, but it's so hard to focus on them. And I'm much easier now for me to actually focus on the little things that we get done. So cool. And I'm much more creative, I feel. I feel like I've been writing much more. I've been working on different things much more often. Like, you know, just writing either music, um, stories, anything anything I can work on creatively, I feel like I'm much more in tune to it. Especially the music stuff. Like, I'd pick up the guitar and like, it's like every couple of weeks, maybe I hear something like, oh, maybe I can play something around with that. Then I wouldn't come back to it forever. Now it's like, I pick it up and every single time I play, I feel like I have something going. I'm like, okay, I might have something here. Write this down or remember this or, you know, lyrics pop in my head much easier and rhymes pop in my head much easier. Like, um, the goofy one last week, it was the day my computer was supposed to show up. I had to work and, um, it was telling me it wasn't going, it was supposed to be in like between six and eight at night. And that was a lie. It came, it's supposed to be here like in the, like getting the notification that they need the signature at, like one o'clock. I'm like, Oh crap. But anyway, it's like work trying to remember if I remember how this thing, this jingle in my head pops in my, my brain. Oh, come on, Brandon. Let's see. How'd it go? Oh, I don't know if I'm going to remember it. Oh, it was this goofy little jingle I came up. I was going to ask people if I could leave early. I It's like, I got a new computer coming today. I got a text message that it's on the way. The text message said it's between six and eight. If you'd let me go home early, that would really be great. It all came on the fly, like just like kind of me just goofing off and every single word came out. I'm like, that all fit and that all worked and it all rhymed. And my God, <sighs> suck one, Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah. I got a new computer coming today. I got a text message that it's on the way. It's supposed to come between six and eight. If you'd let me go home early, that would really be great. <laughs> That's so stupid. I love it. It's my favorite thing I've ever written. Yeah, I take that back. I've written better things. Damn right. Especially that Fat in the Pigs line that I wrote in that one song that nobody's heard yet. Nobody's heard that song yet. I'm still working on last verse, but it's pretty close. And that's a pretty damn good line, I feel, in my mind. But to talk about good lines, let's get into the music stuff. Um, I've got two songs that are, you know, same vein, same type of contemporary, maybe not country, but more folky Americana stuff. Uh, then I've got one badass hip hop song, and it is hype. It's not quite as hype as Anti Up from a couple weeks ago, but it's a pretty hype song. Uh, let's get into Thomas Sorba. I've never heard this guy before. Uh, he popped on, I think, radio stuff for Spotify the other night, and the song is called "I Want" off his uh, self-titled record, I believe. I think it's the opening song, and it's just like it's got like this little. Almost like gospelish type vibe. It's not quite like an organ, but it's definitely got like an organ vibe. And then eventually the guitar, like it's just like an acoustic at the end. And it's just about somebody who's just wanting to be better for himself, you know, just wanting to better for the world at the end of the day. And it's a pretty simple song, but it's really good. I want to write less about romance and more about love. I want to sing like the angels in the heavens up above. Like I said, this song is simple. I want to howl like the wolves and sound less like myself. I want you all to believe me, an honest cry for help. Hmm. And he delivers the lines really well. I think he's a pretty young guy, if I'm thinking correctly, uh, from Texas. Let's see. 
Yeah, born and bred in Texas. I don't even think he's got himself a Wikipedia page. That's how cool Brandon is. He's that, yeah, that's how early he is on this stuff right here. Yeah. Brandon's got to put himself in the back all the time. Oh, he's got songs with over a million lessons. Damn it. Damn it. Anyway, I once only got 53,000. No big deal. I mean, I'm saying, I'm not saying anything crazy there. <laughs> I did something like that. That record's not that old. It's actually years back whatever anyway i did that i i suggested uh laura stevenson to casey the other day and she had never heard her which is weird that i'd never suggested laura stevenson because i absolutely adore her she's one of my favorite artists like uh i think in the last like five years she might have two of my records of the year because laura stevenson's incredible and i had to throw in there it's like oh by the way not to be that guy but to also totally be that guy i've known about laura stevenson since she played the bass and bombed the music industry in the late 2000s no big deal brad is so cool but she's like you know what you are that guy and you should be proud of that guy i'm like damn it's great to have support <laughs> it's great to have support in your douchebaggery <laughs> no i want by thomas Sorbet. this song is just really good um, he really lets the pipes go at a couple different points. Let me just pull up that. Like, I'm just going to read all the lyrics here. Verse 2, I want to look up at a flagpole and be proud of the man I am. Those stars and stripes are flying straight from Betsy Ross's hand. I want to cover Woody Guthrie and mean it when I sing. This land is your land and it was made for you and me. Mm-hmm. Goddamn right, guys. It is. Um, yeah, don't let anybody sit there and try to tell you, like, this country is not made for certain people. That's bullshit. You know, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to be free. Am I right? That's the, uh, that's the, you know, that's the ethos, right? Not the ethos. That's the uh, mission statement of America right there. That's the mission statement. Give me all of them. It's like, you know, we're going to turn them into winners. That's what we are. You know, I want to break down all the barriers from the east to the west. I want to get right with my brother and be a refuge to the rest. I want to sit next to a stranger and learn about his life. Because we're all broken sometimes, and we're all going to die. Yeah, because we all, I mean, all of us. I mean, I've met plenty of people, a lot of my friends, a lot of my friends, um, a lot of my enemies, too. We've all been broken. You know, we've all had those issues in our lives. We've all been broken sometimes. And at the end, we all die. But you know what? In between these broken times, all these other times, there's some great times. There's a lot of times we can learn from, grow from, become better at. And that's what we all should strive to do. We should all be striving to want better things of ourselves every single day. You shouldn't wallow in it. Like, you know, I've wallowed in my self-pity for a long freaking time, and I'm done with that. I really want to be done with that, and I feel like I'm taking those steps. I feel like I've been taking the steps massively over the last three years, and I feel like, especially since the ketamine stuff, I've even taken more steps into gaining that for myself. You know, I won't, you know, I want all these great things he's talking about here. I want a better country. I want a better land to live off of. I want better, you know, singing about romance and singing about love instead of romance. You know what I mean? I want something deeper. I want some, a better connection to things. That's what I want. That's what we should all want in the end. It's a great song. It's a great song. It's a very simple song. Nothing overly crazy. There's no crazy drum solo in the middle. There's no, crazy guitar solo some sweet picking action on it or anything like that there's no boogie going down on the piano it's just a man telling you the truth and that's for me that's all music needs to be <laughs> it's just a man telling you the truth with three chords acdc style <laughs> so that's thomas sorba that's uh like i said that's i want off of uh his self-titled album from 2020 yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Let's go into the hip-hop song. So, as I said, the Columbus crew are the champions of the MLS. And it's no big deal. They beat Cincinnati. They were down 2-0 to Cincinnati. They came back 1-3-2 on Cincinnati's home field. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. Um, but in the celebrations yesterday, in the celebrations, this song came on. And I'm like, man, this is this is the perfect celebration hype song out there. It's from 1996. It is, it's nothing crazy. Like, I like the live version better than, like, the official version. The live, the official version has a Bismarck key on it, but the live version doesn't, it, I don't know, I just like the live version. I feel like it just flows a little bit better. I think the live, the record version or the remix version, whatever they call that thing, it's the more popular version on Spotify. The old school reunion remix 96. I feel like that one is a little all over the place of points. This song uses those famous horns. Oh, shoot. I have to pull that up real quick. What's those horns from? Yeah, Hollywood Swinging by Cool and the Gang. They use that. Let me clear my throat. Yeah, that's right. It's Let Me Clear My Throat by DJ Cool. This song is so raucous and crazy. I mean... The way the comes in, it's you hear the crowd go wild. Oh man, it gives you goosebumps. It gets you wanting to go. Once you go to the club and just go wild on it, man, it's such a jam. It's the jam, man. And then when he actually does clear, and then you hear everybody, God damn. It's a goofy song. He's hitting some basic rhymes on it, but man, it's just so infectious. Like just the way everything works on it. Like, um, when I say, uh, you say, ah, I guess part of it. And like, it's just like, yeah, I wanted to say, ah, <laughs> then towards the end of the song, hopefully this mouse isn't going to go to crap on me. He goes into that. Oh, please. Just let me go down. There we go. Where's it at? When I say freeze, y'all, uh, freeze one time. When I say freeze, y'all stop on a dime. Then he does the freeze. Then he calls out to all the ladies. Now, all the ladies in the place, if you got real hair, Real fingernails, if you got a job, you going to school, and y'all need nobody to hand, uh, help you handle your business, make some noise. And they go wild. <laughs> and he does it for the fellas. This song is awesome. I love this song. I could listen to it all day. It's just like, I love the Cool and the Gang little reference at the beginning to move into. That's what I love about hip-hop. Like, one, like, that's not the same thing as, like, sampling or so much. Like, uh, the way that hip-hop can use sampling and stuff like that. There's a really cool video going around right now. Or not, I don't know if it's going around, but I, I've seen it a few times on like YouTube shorts or whatever. It's Method Man talking about Method Man from uh, the Wu-Tang. The Wu-Tang song Method Man, the rapper talking about it. There's a lot of Method Man talk there. Method Man's incredible. He's a top 10 for me. Like I feel like he is criminally underappreciated for how great he is. He's got, he's raw. He is real. He is, he's got some, he's got, a, he's a unique character within the rap world. And like, you know, like I said, he's got the authenticity, like the way he speaks, the way he like kind of raps, the way he hits things. It's like, hmm. And I always will say with Method Man that the reason why I think Method Man is criminally unappreciated is like when you think about certain things, like RZA on Wu-Tang, you know, Enter the Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers, every single song was multiple people on it. You know, it was Old Dirty Bastard, it was, you know, Scarface, it was not Scarface, something. Oh, come on. Ghostface Killer. You know, it's all these guys are mixing together. RZA, Giza, like, all these guys are, you know, coming together on these songs. Except for one. There's one song 
that it doesn't have anybody else on it, just one person, and that's Method Man. They trusted Method Man to have his own song on this record. And then, a couple years later, on I think it's Ready to Die, right, by Biggie? I just want to make sure I'm right here. Be a dum-dum. Yeah. On Ready to Die by Biggie. There's no features on this record. None. Nobody else is on this record. Except for one other rapper. Method Man. The all-time great, in my opinion. Notorious B.I.G. May he rest in peace. Let one person on this record. And that was Method Man. Because that's how much respect they had for Method Man. So the two of the greatest minds in hip-hop history were willing to let Method Man have that moment in the sun. Like for 36 Chambers, they gave him his own song. For Ready to Die by Notorious B.I.G., he let him feature on that when nobody else is on that record. Like, probably except for like Diddy introducing some songs or something like that. Like, that's why I think like Method Man is criminally underappreciated, underrated, and he's one of my all-time favorites, top 10. Um, now, there's a video of him talking about that song from Inner, uh, Inner 36, or yeah, 36 Chambers. Um talk about all the different little samples and all the different like references he makes within the music and there's a couple that were easy like you know it's like he comes in hey you get off my cloud that's a rolling stones reference you know he makes the dr seuss references he makes a couple of other references the m-e-t-h-o-d man is a m-e-t-h-o-d um m-e-t-h-o-d-o-f-l-o-v-e right method methods of modern love or something like that i can't remember now uh the whole note song He's like, he has a big Hell and fan. So he made that reference there. And then the one I never got was, you know, he's like, um, I got fat bags of skunk. I got white owl blunts. That's a Beatles reference. I never knew that. Like, basically, it's not like the words are references. It's the way he says it. It's in the same cadence and like kind of um, melody-ish of um, same, definitely the cadence, like the way he speaks, hits those uh, um, syllables as come together by the Beatles. And I'm like, Oh shit, I never would have thought that. I n- never crossed my mind million, the hundreds of times I've listened to that song. The Beatles come together has never hit my mind when he hits that stuff. Like you could tell there's something there, but I had never would have thought it's the Beatles come together. He's talking about it, and he's like, yeah. And he ends up doing it as like, you know, he ends up doing it in the same cadence, like completely. And it's like, oh man, that's some good stuff. The Beatles only had one good song that was come together, by the way. <laughs> um, Nah, man. Like, and like hip hop, this does this. Like, it's a way to use all these different samples and, and then put it into a cohesive song. And sometimes the songs are just such like forces of nature. Like, you know, like, and Wu Tang was one of the main proprietors of that. If I'm thinking correctly, if I've got my timing right, like obviously you had like uh, Tribe Called Quest used quite a bit too, especially that Lou Reed um, Wild Side one that they released for Can I Kick It. And then a couple months later, Mark Wahlberg also used it <laughs> for Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. <laughs> and shockingly, uh, Tribe Called Quest did a better song. But shocked, shocked, shocked that they were better than Marky Mark at rapping. Because <laughs> Tribe, nobody quests like a tribe does. No, that's what I like about hip-hop is that ability to kind of take all these little influences and rearrange them and put them in. That's why like some people complain, like, oh, Beyonce had like 45 songwriters. It's the sampling part of it. Like, So these people that wrote these samples have to be credited for it. So that's why you see like Beyonce has 45 songwriters or something like that. You know? You know? I don't know. I don't know anything. That's something I wish I could have done. Like, learn a little bit more about like hip-hop production. Just like, oh, man. like So you can just hear things like, oh, I can use that. Oh, like when I'm thinking of things like, oh, those horns, those horns are very, could be rem- like in your head, like, oh, it's reminiscent of this song. Maybe I can pull from there. And like all of a sudden you just build this incredible thing. Like it's just, it's 
almost like it's just Legos. It's just basically getting a big box of Legos. Like in every single Lego is a different song or a different sample you can use. And then you put this thing together and it's like, you know, you created your own little thing. It's like, wow, this is cool. You know, let me clear my throat. <coughs> God damn. <laughs> it's song number two this week. You know, let me clear my throat by DJ cool. I prefer the live version myself. I, I'm the live version guy, you know? Oh, where are we at? Oh, wrong song. And the third song tonight is one of the most heartbreaking damn songs ever. It is a sad song from uh, James McMurtry. He's from Texas, I believe. I always forget that his father was like a really well-known writer. Um, but this song is off Just Us Kids, which is... 2006, I want to say. Maybe it's not. Let's see. When is Just Us Kids? That's not what I want. Come on. 2008, Just Us Kids. This song is number seven on that record. This is a six and a half minute epic called Ruby and Carlos. I don't think I've talked about this song. I've never talked about McMurtry, but I don't think I ever talked about Ruby and Carlos because I don't think I was emotionally ready to talk about that song back then. Because <laughs> this song, it, whew, it, it hits you hard. It's a, it's a train. It's, a, it's just a runaway train that's about to run you over. This song is all about true love long after it's gone. And that's a very, very sad place to be <laughs> once you realize it's gone. It's about uh, Ruby, who's a, you know older lady. Uh, ranch hand, you know, she's kind of got her life figured out and, you know, she's not bowing down to anybody, you know, she's, she's set in her ways type, you know, she's not gonna go chase her dreams across the country cause she's way past that. Then there's Carlos. who's a little bit younger than that. A former army, army man. He's been stationed overseas. He he has big dreams of making as a drummer. So he wants to go to Nashville and, um, he leaves Ruby behind and, and eventually as most things do, doesn't go well. Um, this song is one of those songs that frustrates me a lot because of how it was born. So this song, you can find an American songwriter, the story about this. So basically there's the first, it's like Ruby said, you're getting this in a world of hurt down below the Mason dumbass line. The food gets worse. I love that Mason dumbass line. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so basically this whole song was born out of, um, they went to a. They're on the. They're on tour. McMurtry and his guys are on tour or whatever, and they go to a Waffle House. And as they say in the article, which is true, Waffle House is either really nice or a complete catastrophe. There's no in between. Like it's always. It's like it's either very well running or it's just the biggest shit show you've ever seen in your life at a restaurant. And they went to one of the places that was a complete shit show. <laughs> And he said a sound guy came out. He's like, I forgot that we crossed the Mason dumbass line. He's like, man, I got to use that in the song. And he writes Ruby and Carlos out of the Mason dumbass line song. And it's one of the saddest songs. It's one of those songs that, man, you get to those final couple verses. I'm, I have tears running down my face because this is a song I don't listen to very often because it is a song that hits me freaking hard. It is such a great song, you know? And it's a, oh, man, it's so, it, it's, it's a tough song. Um, you know, people were talking about, cause you know, like I said, Ruby's older, she's about 50 and she's got herself a young man and people were talking, but she doesn't give a shit. 
She's in love with Carlos, but Carlos is in love with the dream. So, you know, he, end up, he ends up going to chase those dreams, man. Oh, this song literally has like 15 verses, by the way. <laughs> you know, the old vet said, one day, Rube, that coat will break an egg in you. And now and then one comes along, you just can't ride. And he went on home. You know, and that's what he means. He's like, you know, you can't ride. You know, I, I can't do this. And he, he leaves. And the storm door didn't catch. It blew back hard as she struck a match. And she cupped it just in time. Then she sent that ashtray flying. She's so angry and sad that he left. And, you know, it's the same thing as, you know, the regret of, like, maybe I should have went after him. And she doesn't. She just can't because she's too independent of it. And then him, he's chasing this dream that's never going to come true. And, you know, he's leaving this perfect thing behind to chase a dream that he should know is never happening. And he just can't. And the chorus, man. Holding back the flood, just don't do no good. You can't unclench your teeth to how the way you should. So you curl your lips around the taste of tears and a hollow sound that no one owns but you. No one owns but you. God, McMurtry's incredible. He is so fastly flying up my favorite songwriters of all time. There's so many great jams from him. So many great lines. So many great verses. He just tells these incredibly just detailed like stories that just work so well and you just identify and understand. Like um, I'm listening a lot to Lights of Cheyenne right now, which is just a great song about wanting to be anywhere else but where you're at, but you know, not having the chance to row. And if you know if you leave, you're never coming back and you have all these people there and you're just like, mm, you're stuck. It's ah. First few verses are mostly about Rube, Ruby. Last few verses about Carlos. You know, he took a road gig. He becomes like a roadie. You know, he had to take the bus while the singer was flying everywhere. He never got to get to the studio because the session guys had it all up because he couldn't break in. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't good enough. And then, man, he gets sick. So even the roadie stuff goes away. He looks out the window and it starts to sleep, laying on a friend's couch on Nevada Street. Lately, he's been staying high. Sick all winter and they don't know why. They don't know why or they just won't say. They don't talk much down at the VA. And then as he's sick, he's kind of passing here or whatever, man. He's sick and he thinks about Ruby and what he had and what he no longer can have. Oh my god, man, I hope I can read these verses without crying. Ruby's in his thoughts sometimes, what thoughts can get out past the wine. He feels her fingers on his brow, and right then he misses how she looked in that gray morning light. She never shaved like they all do now. He sees it all behind his eyes, and his hands go searching, but they come up dry. Oh my god, dude. I don't know about you guys. You ladies and gentlemen, friends and neighbors, I don't know about you. I've had that type. You've had, you've had to have had those dreams, of the or that that notion of just like wanting something. You just see it. You want it so much, like especially like a dream or something like that. You like you wake from that dream and you're just like, you would give anything to exist in that dream because it's it's mm, man, Jesus, this is such a great fucking song. Sorry for the F word, but it deserves it. Halfway in that waking dream, Carlos lets the landline ring. 
He'd never guess it was Ruby calling, a pin in her hip from the gray colt falling. Figure eights in a lazy lope stumbled on that slippery slope. Holding back the flood just don't do no good. Oh my god, man. This song is so freaking good. It is so good. It is. I, I There's not enough superlatives for how great this song is. This is incredible. This is like, uh, I talk about Virtute the Cat, like um, that song, how it's so great, but you can only listen to it once a year because it's going to destroy you. This song can destroy you. Like, and McMurtry has this great way, the way he plays guitar and kind of sets his tones. You really feel the space of everything. Like, all the space in this story, like in between them, in between your thoughts, in between where you're at and where you want to be. You, you feel all that just in the way he plays his guitar. It's so good. He's so incredible. Man. The song's six and a half minutes. And I feel like it's an entire film. I feel like it's an entire miniseries. Like you... Oh, man. It's such a great... This is such a great song. You know... You have like parts I didn't even talk about, like Ruby looking at the pictures of Carlos on the, you know, icebox door of Carlos in the first Gulf War. Black eyed brown and youthful face smiling back from a Sally face, Sally base. Then Carlos on the big bay mare, heavier now and longer haired, looking past the saddle shed from way back inside his head. Oh my God. This song is so fucking good. It is so good. This is, in terms of songwriting, man, this is beautiful. This is so beautiful. All born out of a really crappy Waffle House experience. <laughs> this is what this is what great writers do. They take that innocuous trip to a bad Waffle House and create Ruby and Carlos. Oh my god. What a song this is, man. What a freaking song. That's song number three of the night. I I cannot I cannot really go into how great that song is. That song is perfect. Love Long after it's over. Looking back on love long after it's gone. And not coming back. Oh, man. Damn. What a song. So that's James McMurtry. That's Just Us Kids, 2008. Pick that record up anywhere you can. I th I don't have it, do I? I don't think I have it. I need to get it. What's, I can't remember which records I do have from, from McMurtry. No, I got the newest one. And I know I've got... Um, Oh, uh, shoot. Shoot. I think it's the record before this one. What is the record before this one? Childish Things. Duh, 2005. I know I have that one. Whatever. Anyways, thanks for listening to me talk about music for a little longer than I expected. Really... These episodes have been crazy. Ever since I brought back the music, I feel like things are talking about music again. I talk about songs. I feel like I go into more fun tangents. And I feel like the episodes are better. It's my opinion. But you give me your opinion. Hit me with the feedback, man. Shut up. Anyways, it's time for the Lost Odyssey, the Lost Rewatch, the Lost Continuation of whatever's happening here. We have episode 9 and 10, Abiterno and The Package. I didn't go over last week what the episodes were going to be, and I was trying to think, I'm like, is it the package? It, it might be up to the package because I know it's not everybody loves Hugo because that's after, after Happily Ever After and Happily Ever After is after the package. So I'm just kind of like, hmm, I don't think there's any episodes in between there. So I was right. It was the package. Um, Abiterno is the Richard episode. 
and it holds up. It is fantastic. It is great. So great. We have, um, it kind of opens up with, what's her face? The chick, you know? The one chick? Alana in a hospital, and Jacob's there, and blah, 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 blah. You know, and he's like, oh, Richard will know what to do. So she's all ready for Richard. And like, uh, it's a funny moment. He's like, Richard will tell us what to do. And they look over at Richard and Richard's like, ha, ha, ha. I'm just trying to kill myself. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And he's like, he's like, you know, he's like, I'm not doing this. And he leaves the camp. And he's like, you know, I know somebody who can help. He's like, you know, Jacob um, lied to me his entire life. And it's like, maybe I should have been listening to somebody else. And he runs off into the jungle. Hurley is then seen talking to somebody. And Jack assumes that it's Jacob. And Hurley's like, it's not Jacob, dude. And he's like, yeah. And then Hurley goes after uh, Richard. Then we get the origins of Richard. Because, you know, they had to have that, that little odd, like, um, dialogue for Frank. Like, um, Ben's like, he's like, Richard's a nobody, man. He's not done much. Like, I've known him since I was 12 years old. And then, like. Frank interjects, so you've known him, so you've known each other since you were kids. And it's like, I don't know, just the way it was like written and delivered. I'm like, nobody would ever say that. It's just a weird line, just to jump into everything. And Ben was like, um, he's like, no, I was a child. He looks exactly like he does now. I was like, so you're saying he doesn't age? He's like, yeah. Abenterno means from eternity. And then what we get is we go back to 1867 and we see Albert on a horse. Ryden looking unbelievably beautiful. What a beautiful man. And uh, he lives in Spain, right? Tenerife? Tenerife? Oh, he lives on the Canary Islands. Oh, I did not know that, actually. I actually never knew he was from the Canary Islands. That's what he's supposed to be from. His wife is sick. Isabella is sick. And he's sick. She's sick. Looks like tuberculosis. Tuberculosis. Uh, she's, like, coughing up blood. I just assume, like, the time period and that coughing up blood is just it's TB. So he goes to a doctor who lives a half a day away, and he's a douche. He's like, uh, it's like a rainstorm, and he comes bursting. He's like, you need to help my wife. And he's like, oh, get towels, you know, to his uh, butler or whatever the doctor says. And he's like, oh, thank you. Richard's like, thank you. And he's like, no, you're you're getting water all over my floor. He's like, oh, God. And he was like, oh, I'm not going there. It's days. That's like half days away, and it's raining. I'm not going out there. He's like, oh, please, I, you know, whatever I can do. He's like, okay, I've got this medicine that I'll save her. Uh, just give me everything you have. And Richard tries to give this cross. He's like, that's worthless. And he throws it. And Richard tries to get it. And then he's like, oh, there's not enough money here. You can't have it. So they start getting into an argument. And Richard accidentally throws him. And he hits his back of the head on the table. Kills the doctor on accident. The butler comes back, sees it. Richard takes the medicine and runs. When he gets back to his house, Isabella has passed. That's sad. Sad. Nestor is so wonderful in this episode. This is... I'm still trying to figure out if Dr. Linus is better than this episode. It might not be. Abiterno is great. Um, as he's, as soon as he basically gets there, he like you know he realizes his wife's dead. He starts crying. He gets arrested. He's sent to a prison. This priest comes in to, uh, you know, take his confession. And like you know, Richard's like you know I accidentally killed you know I killed somebody. And the priest's like, yeah, I'm not absolving you for sin. Your sins there. You're going to hell. <laughs> it's like, jeez. And like, uh, Richard's like, I'll do anything. Like, you know, he's like, it was an accident. I'm so sorry for this. Like, blah, 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 blah. And like, you know, he's like, well, you'll, you'll be executed tomorrow. And then some people come get him, put a little hood on him, and they go out there. And it's, uh, I'm not sure why they created the Whitfield character. Like, 
they have like the Captain Hans, like uh, Hanzo, which is also a connection to the Dharma Initiative. Why did they just make him the character? Why did they have to bring in the Whitfield character? It's just I don't know, weird. Tovar Henso. Like, why didn't they just make him an act, the casting? It's just weird. Anyways, um, he basically buys him after he realizes Richard can speak English, and he's like, "Well, we're going to the New World." And then it shows him in a storm at sea, and he asks the other guy who's in chains, "Is like, what do you see?" And they see the statue of Terawet that Jacob stays in, and the guy thinks it's the devil, and the Black Rock rides a tsunami, I guess. Because it gets really high. Yes, yeah, tsunami catches him in the storm. I don't think that's exactly how tsunamis work. I don't, yeah, right? You need like big earthquakes. I don't think a big thunderstorm creates a tsunami. But whatever. It goes through the statue. You get the answers of how the Black Rock ended up in the middle of the jungle and what happened to the rest of the statue. The Black Rock flew through it, a uh, big stone statue, and did not disintegrate. You know, it destroyed the statue. The statue did not completely destroy the boat. Whatever. It's a magical island. Let's get over it. Um, the, everybody starts waking up, and then the Mary, like they're oh, the captain's dead, and I'm like, what's even the point about Hanzo as a thing if he's not even gonna be seen? But whatever. Um, Whitfield comes down, and he just starts killing all the slaves, like because he'll turn against us eventually. There's no food, there's no water, and blah blah blah. But then right before he's about to kill Richard, you hear the black smoke go crazy. It comes in and kills all the crew members. It rips the uh. Merrifield, or not Merrifield, Whitfield away, kills him, and leaves Richard. He gets Richard's face, and then goes away. And leaves him there, and in a couple days, it shows uh, Richard trying to work himself out, you know, work the lock out, you know, had days of trying to get the nail out of the board, then working the lock free. Um, then one day, he wakes up, and there's a boar in there eating one of the people, and then the boar runs him over and knocks the nail too far away for him to get it, which I feel like if he just would have turned, he could have used his feet to get it. But I don't know. I don't know if his feet was also chained. I don't think they ever established that or not. But whatever. Anyway. Then he wakes up the next day and Isabella is there. Because I also forgot to mention at the very beginning. Uh, Richard told everybody that they're in hell. That they're all dead and they're in hell. So they play with that little uh, idea in this one. But anyway, Isabella's there. And she was like, you know, we're dead, we're in hell, blah, 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 and like, you know, whatever. And then he starts hearing the monster coming. He's like, you need to go. And she goes up there and you hear a scream and he's flipping out. It's like, Isabella, and you feel heartbroken for him again. You feel heartbroken for her again. You know, he feels he failed his wife. And that's the greatest sin in his life that he failed his wife and couldn't save her. And it's so sad, so sad. And then you see somebody come in. They pour a little glass of water and they touch him on the shoulder. And you, it makes you think it's Jacob. And then the camera comes down as Titus Welliver as the man in black. It's always so cool to see Titus Welliver. He's one of those guys I wish was in everything all the time. You know, I like him as an actor a lot. I wish he was in everything. I wish he was in this podcast right now. It'd be cool. He'd just be sitting back there. He doesn't have to be like talking at all. He can just like hang out on the sofa. Be dope. And he tells him, you know, they are in hell. They actually are in hell. And the devil was there. His devil is, the devil has taken his wife. And uh, he needs to kill the devil to get out. And then he also admits that he's the black smoke. And, you know, he's like, my wife is running through. He's like, no, I saw the devil take her. You know, he's basically saying that Jacob's the devil. He gives him his dagger. So you need to stab him. You can kill him. Don't let him talk to you. Um, and then, uh, excuse me. Richard goes to the statue. What's left of it. You see, like, the head in the water and all this stuff. It's kind of cool. Um, he goes there, and then Jacob immediately jumps him and beats the tar out of him. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, he's like where's my wife? He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you have my wife. And then eventually he's like, did a man in black in the jungle talk to you? 
And they do a couple weird little cuts here that make you doubt Jacob's good intentions about things. He's like, uh, the man, like, what did the man in black say? And he's like, he said you were the devil. And the way they cut the camera, like the awkward look on it, like the awkward angle, like the close up and like the way Jacob doesn't really acknowledge it so much. He's like, what else did he say? It's, to me, it's supposed to feel like you're inspiring doubt in the idea that Jacob's a good guy. But they don't go anywhere with it. You know what I mean? That's the problem. Like, they set these little things up. They talked about that. Like, I don't know if these are actual good people or not. And it's like, then they don't ever go anywhere with it. So it's just weird. Um, then Jacob starts talking to him. He's like, the man in the black, you know, he's evil. He's the evil one. He's the one who probably, you know, whatever. And then he's like, you know, he gives like this great idea of what the island is. He's like, he has like this wine bottle. He's like, think of this wine as all like is as what you say is hell or malevolence or, you know, bad things and all these things like that. Evil He's like, now think of this, like think of this cork as the, uh, the island that we're on. He's like, and he stops. He's like, this cork keeps all the evil from getting into the world. He's like, the man in black believes that everybody is, um, full of sin and everybody is corruptible. That, they, no, that man is not actually good, which we get that at the very end of season five in their little flashback. You know, they come, they fight, they kill. It all ends the same. Um, I lost my train of thought, sorry. And that Jacob believes that all people are good. And he's trying to prove that, but he doesn't, he doesn't want to get involved. He never gets involved. Whereas the man in black does get involved. He doesn't get involved because he doesn't feel like telling you that you should be doing the good thing doesn't make you a good person. Like, you know, if you do a good thing because somebody told you that you need to be doing good, then you're not actually doing good. You're just being told what to do, and that's not actually good. So Jacob's like that, and he's like, well, you need to step in. He's like, why should I? And then Richard's like, because he will. He will step in and, you know, turn people evil. And then kind of dawns on Jacob's like, yeah, he's right. It's like, you want a job, and this is like, you know, you come my advisor, talk to me, like intervene when I can't. And he's like, okay, I'll give you whatever you want. He's like, I want my wife back. And he's like, can't do that. He's like, I want you to resolve my sins so I don't go to hell. And he's like, can't do that either. Um, at one point, Jacob does uh, say he's not the devil. He is not the devil. He does confirm that, I guess, you know, whatever. Uh, and then Richard's like, well, I guess I want, you know, since he can't, you know, he doesn't want to go to hell for his sins because he can't be absolved. He, Wants to live forever. He's like, I don't want to die. I want to live forever. So he's like, I can do that. So boom. Then Richard goes back to Man in Black, who gets mad. He's like, you know what? This offer will always be open. You can always come back and work for me. And then he gives Richard the cross necklace that his wife gave him at the beginning of the episode, which I think was supposed to be long gone. And um, in 2007, Richard goes back to the spot where he buries the necklace underneath this bench. He like on the island, this like stone bench. He buries it there. He comes back and digs it up. It's only been there for like 140 years, but whatever. It's in great condition. It's a magical island. Not too worried about it. Um, and then Hurley shows up because uh, Richard's like yelling about, you know, does the offer still stand? Does the offer still stand? And, and Hurley shows up. He's like, what offer? He's like, what are you doing? He's like, get out of here. And he's like, your wife sent me. And like, this is such a great scene. Such a great scene. Richard can't see his wife, but then you can tell he kind of can feel her presence. And it's... A man carrying sin with him. A man carrying guilt and shame for not being able to protect his wife. He has this moment where his wife tells him in Spanish, which is so beautiful, the language, how much she forgives him and how it was not his fault. Basically, she absolves him of his sins for, like, the God, basically. And, like, 
Hurley's sitting there just kind of translating, and it's so well acted and beautiful. And it's just like, oh, I was so happy for Richard to get that, the, you know, being absolved in that moment. Then uh, Hurley's like, she did say one more thing. Um, she says we have to stop the man in black because if we we don't, and he gets off the island, he says in Spanish, we all go to hell. And it's like, ooh. Then it shows uh, Locke staring off way in the distance, and he's not happy. And then right as the episode ends, we get a little flashback to the man in black, uh, Titus Welliver and Jacob talking to each other. And like he's just like, just let me leave. Just let me. I just want to leave. And he's like, so you tried to kill me? He's like, yeah. He's like, um, he's like, just let me leave. He's like, as long as I'm alive, you can't leave. He's like, then you know why I'm trying to kill you. He's like, and I will kill you. And then he gives him the little, like, you know, bottle of wine with the cork in it. He just smashes it. He's like, you'll see me sooner than you think. 140 years, I'm going to get you killed. Which, if you've been living for thousands of years, 140 years is no time whatsoever. You got to think about that with, like, eternity, man. If you ever do live, if somebody ever lives, like, 400 years, they will forget decades of their life. They will. They will just forget huge patches of their life. Like, decades long. Like, think about your life. We're, like, I'm 33. There's years, like, you know, I can remember parts of years, but I can't remember what I was doing summer of 2012 off the top of my head. Like, what exactly was I doing? I don't know. You know what I mean? If somebody lived like 400 years, there'd be decades like that. Like, I don't really remember what I did in the 1830s. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, at a certain point, I, I don't know. I always thought that we were like, like if you're an immortal, it's like eventually certain things were just meshing, but like kind of forget anything happened. And there's like that idea. I think it's a, that's an, is that an episode of something or a story or a movie or something like that? Somebody lives forever and they end up realizing they forgot like the woman they loved the most in their life because they lived for so long. They lived like thousands of years after she died and they can't even remember like the person they love more than anything in the world. And it's like, it was like this real sad, I think it was like a little like story or something like that. Um, I really loved this episode. I loved it. I thought Nestor was fantastic. Um, it was a very satisfying origin story for Richard. It's one of the great like answers we get in season six, one that like lives up to all of it. Like that was preceded, like all the intrigue, it pays off in the way you're like, I'm happy with everything they did here. I mean, there's some stuff that's dumb, like the ship destroying the statue. I mean, that's just not how physics would work. If that statue is made of like limestone or something like that, that a ship would just destroy it without destroying the ship completely. But whatever. Um, this episode is fantastic. Like it is, I like what's said here. It's about one imperfect, well-intentioned man caught up in this terrible struggle. Like, yeah, he's just well-intentioned. He's a good person who just gets caught up in the wrong place, wrong time. and just gets caught up in the woman he loves and like just tragic accident. And then, oh, it's sad and it's beautiful. It's wonderful. Like I said, that scene where she forgives Richard is so good so good this episode i think is the best in the season i think it is better than dr linus i give this an easy a this is a this is the best episode since season four probably the best episode since ooh, probably um shape of things to come which is the ben episode in season four which is a great episode this is probably the best episode since then like it is so fantastic and like a little like step away the next episode, the package is not quite as good. Like I liked it. I thought the flash sideways was a lot of fun, but obviously I have my issues with the flash sideways being kind of pointless and whatever. But it is fun in this one. 
Uh, the on island is all right. It's very transitioning on the island. Um, in 2004 at the airport, I finally remembered stuff. I also forgot a lot of this stuff happened. Um, at the airport, uh, Jen is released and they keep the $25,000 that was on him. They won't let him have it back. The watch is returned, but the money is not. And he's mad. He's got to fill out paperwork, whatever. And he goes with Sun to a hotel. And this is when I completely, I completely forgot this happened. So Sun and Jen are not married in the sideways. He never got the permission to marry her. And then, um, but at the same time, he goes in there and he's like, oh, I'm going to take the uh, watch to your father's associates. And then Sun starts being really flirty. And she like takes one button. He's like, oh, you're going to tell me to button like you did on the plane? He's like, you don't know who could be looking, you know, like that. And he's like, Jen is much more in love with her, not as like overprotective overlord that he is like in the original timeline. Like he's only doing it out of like, you know, if your father can't find out about this type of stuff. So, you know, there's, they're doing it by the way, totally doing it. She's about to give him a secret that, you know, she's pregnant. Then there's a knock on the door and I completely forgot. Martin Kimi is back. He's there. He's at the door. Martin Kimi, my guy. He comes in, he starts talking to, uh, um, what's her face? Son. And she gives him the watch. He's like, where's the money at? And she can't understand. So then Omar shows up and he, then Kimi understands that there's two glasses in the room because Jen's hiding. So they check the bathroom and they open the door. Jen is just standing in the doorway. <laughs> like not even trying to hide. <laughs> it's so funny. It's just so funny. Like this Omar opens it. Jen's just standing there right at the door. <laughs> it's just so funny. <laughs> And then they realize, you know, they can't, like, understand them. So they're like, who's that one guy who can uh, speak all the different languages? And like, oh, me, Kyle. And that's right. Me, Kyle shows up again. I forgot about this so much. Oh, I was so happy. I was so happy. Some of my favorite little villains. Like, Kimi was such a big baddie for four. Me, Kyle was such a great secondary antagonist of three. Oh, I was so happy to see me, Kyle. I completely forgot all about this. They like the money, sons. Like, oh, we'll pay for my private account. She'd set up this private account that her father doesn't know about. So Mikhail takes her to the bank. Kimi's like, I'll take Jin to the restaurant. And Jin's like, please, you know, it's like, don't tell him about our relationship. And um, Mikhail's like, yeah, they want you to make sure you don't tell. And they're like, oh, it's like, you know, your secret's safe with me. I'm Martin Kimi. I'm very trustworthy. Your secret's safe with me. And they go in there and um, he ties Jin up in the freezer and he tells him everything. Jin doesn't understand. He's like, you know, you know, that $25,000 they took from you, that's the money that her father was paying me to kill you. Cause like he's, her father had found out he closed her account, stole the money back that she had taken and put in that account. He'd taken it back. So they closed it. And then, uh, Jen was going to be murdered. It's like, you don't get with the boss's daughter, man. He like ties him up, leaves him in there. He tells Omar at one point to go get the Arab guy. And then Omar's like, Hey man, I'm an Arab. He's like, just go. And it's like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Don't know why that was caught me off the guard and funny. Um, then Saeed finds, then we have the whole Saeed scene from earlier in the season where he shoots Kimi and he shoots everybody. Um, he gives Jin a little razor and Jin's got to work himself free and he gets there. And then here comes Mikhail and he sees everybody shot, but Kimi's still moving. I forgot that Kimi kind of survived the Saeed shooting. And then he's like, what happened? Who shot you? And he's like, look behind you, you idiot. And turns around, there's Jin. Got the, or it doesn't turn around. Jin's got the gun to his head. And he's like, oh, if you would have wanted to kill me, you would have already shot me. So they get into a little uh, 
fist thing. He tells his son to get back. Uh, Mikhail shoots a few times in a struggle, and then Jin gets the gun. He shoots Mikhail a couple times right in one right through the eye, the eye that he was missing on the island. It was awesome. I remember the kind of the idea, I think, when we were watching the show originally, it was like the idea that the stuff that happens sideways is, I don't know, influences what's on the island. So Mikhail never lost his eye in the real timeline. I don't know. I can't remember. There were some stupid theories back then about what the sideways could be, and none of it was even close to being right. But Sun has also been hit by a stray bullet. So she is uh, bleeding, and she's like, I'm pregnant, and that's how Visa the sideways ends. In 2007, Alana and Richard, like Richard comes back, or no, is waiting for Richard to come back, and they're all being mad, and Sun's upset that, you know, they're not trying to go find Jen, you know? So she storms off to her garden. Man in Black shows up after she runs Jack off, and he wants, he's like, I've got Jen, you can come with him. And she's like, she wasn't willing to trust him. So she runs, and she runs right into a tree and knocks herself out. Ben finds her, and she can't speak English anymore. I completely forgot about this weird thing that happens. I'm like, this feels like a season one or two storyline where Sun does this and forgets how to speak English. Uh, Richard returns and he has the idea of we're going to destroy the plane and Sun screams at him in Korean for a little bit about destroying the plane because it's their way off the island, you know, so whatever. She's very opposed to it. Jack convinces her that they'll have to find Jen, use the plane to get everybody home. And they have it like basically he gives her like a notepad to write everything on. So she writes all of her stuff down. You know, she trusts Jack and blah, 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 blah. The man in black has revealed to Claire. That he's going to get all the candidates together. That's what he's got to do. He's got to get all the candidates together. Basically, really, to kill them. So there's nobody left to take Jacob's place. Then he can leave the island. Like I said, like, the man in black is, you know, his motivations are evil. All of them are evil. But anyway, <coughs> you tell Saeed um, that watch over the camp. And Saeed's like, I don't feel anything anymore. I have no emotions. I don't feel pain. I don't feel happy. I don't feel sad. He's like, maybe that's for the best. It's like, you know, the camp gets attacked as Jen's trying to leave um, by Charles Widmore's crew. They take uh, Jen over to the Hydra Island and they show him the Dharma Initiative. They talk about the electromagnetism. So in, they get Jen specifically because Jen's the one who signed off on the electromagnetic pockets for the Dharma Initiative back in the 70s. Nice little season five callback there. So a few things that was good about season five is this one callback. That's the only th really good thing. Uh, Jen wants to see Widmore, and they do talk. I can't remember. Uh, he gives no, all that really happens is Widmore gives Jen a digital camera that Sun had on the plane, and it has pictures of Ji Yun and Sun, and like you know, it's really cool to see Jen finally get to see his daughter. He's all like happy, and it's like yeah, yeah. Then they all forget about Ji Yun because that's the last. I think that's the last time they mention her ever. And, you know, and then they die in a couple episodes, and they don't give a shit at all about her but whatever we'll get there about how that's dumb but we'll get there um Whitmore's not happy about the fact that Jin got taken so early they're gonna wait a couple days he's like well he's about to leave the camp he's, and he says the smart thing like Whitmore's like smart like me he's like if he's leaving the camp anyway why attack the camp wait till he's out on his own and then attack him and take him because you attack the camp like Glock shows back up and he's like what the hell happened to my camp and he's like, he wakes up Saeed, and he's like, oh, now he's kind of on a revenge plot. It's like, you could have taken Jin quietly out in the jungle. Like, I don't know, it's just dumb. So, whatever. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah, Man in Black and Widmore come face to face. And they have to talk about the war that's come to the island has finally shown up. And Saeed is left behind a spy on him. And he finds out what the package is. The package is Desmond. And 
I don't know. It doesn't go very great. Yeah, that's basically the episode. This is not a great episode. This is like especially a huge step down from Aventerno. Aventerno was fantastic. This is probably like a C plus B minus. The side, flash sideways is fun seeing all these people show up again. Like especially some of my favorite kind of people like that, like Omar and Kimi and Mikhail. That that's really cool. Um, but I don't know. You know what I mean? I think the on island stuff is very transitiony. Um, I think the big problem is that what happens with the Widmore storyline is just so abrupt and whatever. And then, obviously, the Ji-Yeon scene gets completely kind of meh after what happens in, the, I think, The Last Recruit, I think, is what episode all that happens in, which is a couple weeks away. So, I don't know. We'll, I don't know. We'll see. I'll give this one a C plus, B minus. It's 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 solid. It's watchable. Like um, I like some of the performances. Seeing more playful Sun was kind of fun, like I said, but the issue is that Sun has just devolved into where's my husband character instead of the badass that she was at the end, like that we got to see in the flash forwards and for season five, like to see that character, if she was back on the island would be so fucking cool. But the problem is that's not the character who she is anymore. I talked about that last week. Um, Claire also still wants to kill Kate and she's like, Aaron won't even know who I am anymore. And like the man in black's no, I still need you. And she's like, uh, but Kate, she's like his mother. And he's like, well, he's like, I just need her to get on the plane. He's like, once that happens, whatever happens, happens. It's whatever. It's fine. I don't know. I don't know, man. I do like season six more than I do season five on this rewatch. I will say that. I do like it actually quite a bit more. But we'll get there. Next week's The Package. Not The Package, I'm sorry. Is Happily Ever After, which is the Desmond episode. And I think it's Everybody Loves Hugo, which is the Hurley episode. So as to what we should be having next week. So that should be it for me, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah, the package, whatever. Anyway, yeah, so we got just a few more weeks of Lost. Like, we got like three weeks of Lost left, right? Let's see. Let me think. Let me think. We've got Happily Ever After, Everybody Loves Hugo, The Last Recruit, The Candidate, Across the Sea, what they died for and the end. So we have seven episodes left. So that gives me basically we'll have two. Then we can do the final as by itself. So four episodes, four more podcast episodes about Lost, and then we restart the whole thing. No, we don't. <laughs> Maybe in ten years. <laughs> no, I'm enjoying it still. I'm I'm still having fun watching it, and especially like the package. What was fun about it was. I could not remember hardly anything about it. Like realizing that son and Jen weren't married in the sideways. I'm like, Oh shit. I completely forgot that. Like, um, and then they have the secret romance instead. And like, that's the whole reason why he's in the freezer with Kimi is because Kimi was going to kill him because the father had found out. I'm like, I completely forgot all about this. And I completely forgot me. Kyle showed up. So like those, that stuff is fun. Um, the overall episode quality is not the best, but yeah, I, like I said, it, it's been a bit of a downturn for a little bit, but, it's not the worst show ever. I think it's overblown how many people don't like it and talk about worst last seasons ever lost. It's like, mm, not really. Not from a quality standpoint, I think. I think it's mostly, like, outside of um, them shitting all over Locke's character in the back half of LAX, I feel like nothing's been egregiously horrible. Like, there's some stuff you're like, mm, not great. But it's like, nothing's been like, what the hell is this? You know what I mean? Outside of the lock stuff. Um, but whatever. We'll get there. 
Anyways, that should be it for me, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening, understanding all the fun stuff. If you've liked what you've heard, you spread the good word. Anywhere podcasts are available, you can find Monster 8 to Pilot. Watch the video on Spotify if you're so inclined to. Um, I'll be back Thursday with an MLS Cup champion, Columbus Crew recap. Also recap some Liverpool action with another come-from-behind victory. We should be gearing up for another European game. Uh, hopefully a whole bunch of kids are playing. Um then yeah, we'll be back with that. All this mess. Um, I'm going to see if I can get some information on the crew for next season already, and maybe go over that. We'll see where we go. We'll see where we go. We're all playing it by ear, having a great time. But yeah, other than that, thank you so much. Um, I'm out of here. So peace out, Girl Scout. Uh, ten four, Daddy O. Let's get the hell on out of here. <laughs>